0: welcome good evening I'm a recovered alcoholic my name is Mike Chase <laughs> Mike. nice to see you all here tonight we're doing step four tonight so I'll try not to scare you with it and make you wish you don't have to do it someday step four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves um, it is a scary proposition you Now, that's who wants to really write down everything bad about yourself, your, uh, your history, your list of, uh, well, we start off with resentments. Resentments are sort of cool because that's everybody we're just really pissed at. Um, fears, you know, we're really sort of like bulletproof, so we really don't want to start sharing our fears to a bunch of strangers, especially, you know, with the one-on-one with that horrible fist up we hear about coming up, which is really freaking awesome, by the way. Um, sex harms. You know, or the sex harms. Who really wants to talk to your sex life with some other guy? This is really spooky stuff we got going on here. And then uh, the way we do in our family, we also have a harms list where we actually list the harms of just random people that's crossed our path for no reason whatsoever. No no resentments, no sex harms, no fears, just what we do to people when they cross our paths and we're in a bad mood. But in order to get to the f- fourth step, we have to uh, go through a lot of stuff to get us in a position to do that, I believe. You know, the book was written in 1938 by. Uh, bunch of recovered alcoholics throwing their combined information together they had been putting together this program directly from this oxford group the uh, first century christian um, evangelical collection of people and uh, they're trying to figure out how they can take this mainstream if they're getting some success in a few little cities and they're trying to they figured they got this down but we need to take this and pass it on to more people you know so they decided, actually God sort of just decided to have them write a book, so they got together and started working on the book. We uh, talked about this last week about how uh, how it works was sort of a, a um, coming out of nowhere. They have thought about what they're going to do with it. They're figuring out how they're going to start actually doing the program of action. How it works is, is the part where we actually start doing step work. Um, step one is actually a opportunity for you to look at yourself with some information to come to a conclusion based on your own history and honestly looking at what you've done whether you're an alcoholic you know an alcoholic doesn't mean that you've been drunk a lot or you've gotten fired or you've had some DWIs or you know you've lost a few jobs because you've shown up and drunk a lot of that's just because people make bad mistakes and drinking's fun and people make mistakes when drinking the alcoholic we're going to find out is somebody who when they want to quit they can't quit and I mean you know like up in Atlanta right now they have a horrible ice storm right Guy's driving down the road, right? He sees a car in the middle of the intersection. He stops. He wants to stop. He's got his brakes on. He's pumping them, but there's no stopping. He just keeps going. He slams right into the side of that truck, right? That's me trying to quit drinking. I'm not going to drink tonight. I'm going to be good. I'm not going to stop. And I do everything, and all of a sudden, boom. Next thing you know, I'm drunk, and it's two days later. Three days later, I'm showing up to work going, hoping I'm not fired. You know, hope I still got this job. Luckily, I had a boss who, uh, I don't know why he didn't fire me, actually. you know, He really should have. Grace of God. Um, I have this job that I got in 1987, and I'm still working for the same guy. We ended up, you know, he met me in Alcoholics Anonymous. With the grace of God, I was waiting tables at a Marriott, just slaving. And this guy met me in a meeting one night, and we got to know each other. About a month or so later, he offered me a job in this business, family business. And I've been working with him ever since. I had some time off when I was treating my untreated alcoholism with uh, psych meds and drinking a lot. That didn't help. Uh, then I came back to work with him as a drunk, and he really just sort of put up with me. I, I was blessed, you know, because um, I had come in, here, I mentioned this before, I really know what it was to be an alcoholic. I thought it was because I had some emotional or deep psychological issues or something like that. And uh, because I had gotten sober in a rehab, and I had had a white light experience before I even got really into the step process, I never really had to process the steps the first time around. I just sort of like, through the grace of God, the obsession to drink alcohol was lifted. Um, I was taken through the step process by um, back in the Hazleton where I went. (laughs) They've got all these pamphlets and packages and things we fill out. And there was this, I told them I really spell bad and I'm dyslexic. And they said, don't worry about it. We're just going to have some intern dictate your step work for you, which is really cool. It sucks to get, because you really don't get anything out of it. (laughs) But it was sort of fun. It was very, it was seriously, because I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, she just... Give me your drink history. Like, woo, You know, it's like that junkie pride kicks in. You know, I got some person just sort of like in awe of this consumption and, the, and what I've been spending. And I'm trying to figure out.
1: <clears throat> so I've had this
0: white light experience, right? And this girl, this poor girl. You know, here I am. What's that show, Liar Liar? You know, where you can't tell a lie and stuff like that. So I got this gal. I've just had this white light experience type thing. And, she, and I'm just like pouring everything out. she's just like blushing and writing this stuff down. And I'm going through the first step package, you know, financially, looking to see how much I spent on money. You know, that really has nothing to do with being an alcoholic. That just means that I spent a lot of money on alcohol. Um, <laughs> we had priorities. You know, I got a lot of friends who drank just as bad at me who don't come to these rooms who have stopped and been able to get their life together and are normal, everyday people. For some reason, I just, well, phenomenon of craving, right? Kicks in and we're just off to the races. So I'm in this process of trying to determine whether I'm an alcoholic. Because if I'm not an alcoholic, I'm not going to bother with this stuff, you know. Because I, I, I can get s- and stay sober by making coffee. I'll be able to <laughs> get and stay sober, you know, just by being ninety ninety, staying going to a lot of meetings, you know. But as a real alcoholic, which we're going to have to find out, is there's something I have to do. And those are the s- four through twelve, you know. Those things, if you're if you'd have no reason to do them, they totally suck, you know. It's just like God, don't put me through that crap. I don't want to do that. But if you're an alcoholic and we're faced with destruction and death, you're going to jump on those things and do them. As a matter of fact, you're going to do them really good. At least for me, I decided I better do them really good because I saw what was coming. You know, my first step was that day when I woke up and I came to me, it's like, Mike Chase, you're going to get drunk and there's not a dang thing you can do about it. You can keep trying to control it. You can, you know, not drink between meetings. But I would drink between, not drink between meetings, which really didn't work very good because I was drinking between the meetings, which confused me. Um, <laughs> Getting in service. The service wasn't keeping me sober. You know, calling my sponsor every day. That was just like, and they never answered. What was that all about? Um, <laughs> just, this, just this stuff that I put through, which is fantastic. You know, early I'm not saying you shouldn't go to meetings and you shouldn't get some structure in your life, but that's not going to keep a real alcoholic sober. That's going to keep a problem drinker or a heavy drinker busy so, so they don't pick up and get drunk and get in trouble. I think that Pavlov's dog, 30 days, you know, If you can keep an alcoholic, or a heavy drinker, hard drinker, problem drinker away from alcohol and their friends for like 30 days, perhaps a new behavior will kick in, and they can be released to the real world and maybe get on and not get drunk. But for us, how many people have been to rehab and drank a few days after? No, really, got a few liars here, I think, (laughs) because I I know that we attended a lot of, we end up drinking a lot of times in rehab after rehab. I see it all the time. Um, I was just up in Illinois doing this doing this talk up there and there's this room of a few hundred people and they do this this sobriety countdown right so you have uh, guys hundreds of people 48 years four guys stand up 46 years four guys stand up 43 four guys stand up and it's going down just all these people double digits triple did you know all these years of sobriety and i'm sitting there and I'm, what am i supposed to tell these people these people know what they're doing you know i'm just gonna go up there and have fun and tell my story but the what i'm getting is it that uh these people were really serious about Alcoholics Anonymous in this little small town. You know, there's all these people came, drove two, three hours to come to the dinner event. You know, and the the, the fact that these people took it serious, did this stuff really shows. You know, um, so I'm trying to figure out whether I'm an alcoholic or not. So I'm reading the stuff in the book. I've got the doctor's opinion, which explains what alcoholism is. You know, the the phenomenon of craving, the allergic reaction. Uh, This mental obsession that's sort of triggered by... It's sort of like this halo effect of of the physical allergy. You know, the more times that allergy gets triggered, the stronger the brain remembers this stuff. We get this mental obsession triggered with this spiritual malady, you know? I had lost my relationship with God at about nine... Drinking, drugging, doing things drunk that I shouldn't be doing, feeling shame, guilt, remorse. I you know, just start building up this whole relation, this whole wall of stuff against God. I'm thinking God really wants nothing to do with me. You know, it's just like I'm, I'm this bad, evil person, and he doesn't want anything to do with me. So it gives you a good reason to drink even more. So the more I drink, the more reasons I get. The more reasons I get, the more I'm dead. I'm, I'm useless, so I just may as well keep drinking. And I'm coming to Alcoholics Anonymous First time around, I have the white light experience, and they're trying to explain to me what it is to be an alcoholic, and I'm just sort of going like, "Um, white light guy, I don't need the steps, I'm doing pretty good here, I'm just doing fine, so I'm in recovery for 15 years, first year and a half was great, had the power of God in me, I was like this with God, you know, and all of a sudden, all those little things that God had removed from me, the little bit of lying, you know little bit of cheating. Taxes was a good one. I I got started cheating on the taxes. Then I got got started cheating on the the, um, credit card applications, you know. Had this guy who would lie about my income. And next thing you know, I'm living in shame, guilt, and remorse. I've gotten back to be restless, irritable, discontent. I'm going to a lot of meetings. I'm a meeting-making junkie, you know. I'm chairing meetings. I'm cleaning ashtrays. I'm really in the middle. I'm in the middle of this thing. But as soon as I leave the meeting, I'm out clubbing. Not getting high, not getting drunk, but hanging out in the environment. You know, picking up drunks and have ooh, hell of a time. You know, um, living on sex sprees. You know, if life's not good. I'm going to go into a, a sex spree and just go on that route. Uh, purchasing sprees, work, work sprees, travel sprees. I'm, I'm dying inside, and I go out and have fun for a day or an hour and stuff like that, and then I go home and I put my head on the pillow. It's just like, this sucks. And I had not known any different because I got sober in rehab. I didn't get sober in real AA. I got sober in this meeting maker makes it type environment. And I thought (laughs) that's what sobriety was. Just struggling through another day. Just putting up with my character defects. It's just like don't get caught. I had a successful day, you know. I stole tips. Old, I was a waiter, so I'm stealing money left and right. I'm stealing silverware, you know, but I didn't drink. I had a successful day, was my attitude. And that's the kind of stuff that I was getting reinforced with, you know. And it was slowly building up. And the, the miracle of, of having a relationship struck with God one night slowly just started eating away and disappearing. So eventually I was just where I had basically picked up, you know, or left off. I go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous in Minneapolis. I had gone there with the intention to kill myself. It's just back to Minneapolis. I'm over this. It's miserable. This meet and make or make. It sucks. This therapy. I'm over it. So I decided one last time to go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so I go to this meeting up in Minneapolis. I'm the only new guy in this room. I walk into a room like this, and everybody sees me walk in. You know, and, and I sort of stand out, I guess. And I sit down, and <coughs> nobody comes up to say hi. You know, I get a few nods. You know, and. And they got the little cliques, the you know, little clicks to hang out with. You. I'm sitting in the corner, you are going like, um, this sort of sucks, you know. I had actually thought that Alcoholics Anonymous was going to maybe one last chance save me and stuff like that. Nobody came up to introduce themselves to me. Nobody pulled me aside after the meeting. And said, hey, I've never seen you before. What's going on and stuff like this, you know. Obviously, I'm the only new guy in this room, you know. So Alcoholics Anonymous <coughs> had failed me at this point. My, my, my idea was, well, this sucks, this is really... I'm just going to go kill myself. So that... Luckily, I didn't. Because um, I never could. I just got a drink and phenomenon of craving kicked. And so I drank a couple nights later and I went on a six-year binge. And this is where I actually have experience with the steps. You know? Fifteen years of sort of reading the steps. I, did, I, I could read the 12 and 12 really good. I could pontificate and share what they meant. But I didn't know how to put them into action. I didn't know how to have, have them work into my life. It was just like all this educational stuff. And... Um, so I'm going through this 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 relapse you know um, i God puts this little short guy in my office who's who's this uh, big big book thumper, and he's got like five or six sponsees. He's always on the phone, you know, talking a eight he's supposed to be making sales calls, but he's always talking a eight looking at his little big book it was like it was so cool because um, my sales were still better than his um, <laughs> which allowed me to think I was an alcoholic, but uh, my roommate decided one day to tell my mom and dad that I was back to drinking and drugging. I um, had been, I'd actually been able to keep it secret for about four years. And that guy was this close to being thrown out in the street. This is a roommate that cared for me that I've known since 1992. And all he wanted to do was do something good for me because he saw me on the verge of dying and losing everything. So what did he do? He calls my mom and says, we need to do an intervention. Mike Chase has been drinking again. This is blah, blah, blah. I was so furious. I, was, I could have beat the living shit out of him for doing that. How dare you wreck this up? Op- I, I thought I was still having fun. This is, this is this is, the only thing that worked for me, you know, because before that I was dying in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm sort of surviving in this relapse mode. Um, I'm, I'm miserable, but this is the only thing that works for me, you know? And he's got this idea that he can come in and <coughs> destroy this thing I got going. Almost threw him out on the street. Um, I, I, luckily, as we are, I was able to circumvent the intervention by calling my mom and saying guess what mom i'm freaking and drugging again and she says oh great we're not having the intervention then i said great that's cool um i went to alcoholics anonymous and um i'm, go- I'm sitting down and i'm just waiting for something to happen I kept looking up when's that light thing gonna happen when's that god gonna come in i remember sort of doing that prayer thing i'm bad god what are we gonna do you know nothing's happening it's like this is weird. But they got a lot of numbers. They, shook, they gave me this little book with everybody's phone number. It says, you know, if you feel like getting high or getting drunk, give us a call. It's like, I will do that. Okay, maybe not. Um, and then I got my magic white chip because they said, now that I have my white chip, you never have to drink again. I'm going like, cool, this is great, you know. And we get the advice, you know, 90-90, feel like picking up, call somebody, you know, stay busy, get involved in service and stuff like that. And I wasn't even out of the parking lot. i already hooked up with my dealer and I'm getting off to get some tequila and some more blow for the weekend. Um, for about a year, I'm trying to stay sober, but I'm not trying to stay sober. I know I shouldn't get caught. That was the, I, I didn't want to get caught. That was, that was all. I just didn't want to get caught. And I um, was quite successful for that until I ended up checking myself into a psych ward about a year later because I really had tried to control it. I really tried to moderate. I didn't want to end up homeless. I didn't want to end up without a job, but it was just, I, I, I'm suffering through this, this step one stuff, I didn't even know about it, you know? So I, I end up back in an AA meeting. And once again, I'm treated with the magic white chip and lots of great advice and lots of love. As a matter of fact, I was made, the second or third day there, I was appointed general service rep, so I'm going to general service. I am in the middle of AA as you can get, you know? But I'm not being brought through the book. No one's talking to me about step work. I've, I've entered this wonderful group of fellowship recovery you know, just stay busy. I get up in the morning. I go to a meeting in the morning. I go to lunch. I get off of work. I run to lunch, and I have a meeting at lunch. I get off to work, and I run to after work. I go to a meeting. And then after that meeting, I go in at 8 o'clock meeting. It's like, great. I go home, and I'm just so beat and tired. I just pass right out and fall asleep, you know? Hurricane blows through town. Wow. No electricity, no drug tests, no IOP, no AA meetings. Mike Chase is drinking between meetings. This is set up for this. Remember 2005, he just said hurricane after hurricane. I'm trying to not drink. I don't want to drink. I want what these people have, but I'm getting all this, like... I'm getting treated for being a heavy, hard drinker, you know? Psycho-psychological babble. Um, a lot of good advice. A lot of fear trying to scare me into sobriety and stuff like that. This stuff that's just not really doing anything for me because I keep picking up. Um, my last run. I'm sitting at home. Got a real good buzz going on. Got a couple eight balls. Got some t- 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 some uh, handles of tequila. Um, the electricity was off, but I had a generator, which was good. Um, and I picked up the phone as one of my sponsee brothers, and he said, and he, he catches me, and I was like, "Oh crap!" Why did I pick the phone up? My sponsors calling me. My grand sponsors calling me. You know, I'm do- and, I, and I'm thinking the A.A. SWAT team's gonna come in any second and take everything away. So I'm <laughs> drinking and chugging and snorting. It's like then I pass out. You know. And I woke up about a day and a half later, restless, you know, that Bill talks about that quicksand stretched all around me. It's like, I, 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 I'd never been busted in the middle of a run. I'd been busted after, you know, but this was like... And I, and I, and I, I knew from that moment that I was going to keep drinking. I knew from that moment that I was going to keep sneaking out whenever no one's watching and get drunk and get high, that I was going to be one of those pathetic, white-chip... People just every week, every couple of days, picking up a white chip, white, what do you call them, uh, chronic relapsers. I find out I'm not a chronic relapser. I was just chronically untreated because what happened is some guy brought me into the book about a few days later. I stood <laughs> up at the meeting, and I had this real total hissy fit, using an the F word and pointing at people, saying, you tell me I can't drink between means. Well, I drink better between, and I'm just having this fit, and I'm just screaming because I was lost. I had no hope. It was just I was over. I'd just written everything off. First step doesn't tell me, Mike Chase, you better not drink because it's not good for you. You know, you really shouldn't go. It's telling me, Mike Chase, you're going to drink. And there's not a dang thing I can do about it. Mm. I can try in my darndest. I can control. I can set up every situation I can. But I'm going to sneak around, sneak around and find some excuse to get effed up again. And I did, you know. So I'm doing this. And I'm ranting. And all of a sudden, the little guy in the back, you know, raises his hand and says, Mike Chase, I'll bring you through the book. And I'm like, not the book, not the book, not that. But I had not done anything else, you know. And I, and I was hopeless. Listen. To, to, to plan on sitting and reading a book with somebody else, you got to be pretty hopeless, or you got to know you're alcoholic. <laughs> so I was really hopeless. Cause I still don't want to be an alcoholic, you know? It's like, because I'm sitting around this room of people who haven't done the step. Yeah, I've been 20, so over 20 years, and, I yeah, don't worry about them step things. You just go one day at a time, buddy. And I'm, yeah, it doesn't work for me, you know? So I'm surrounded with this sea of people who aren't doing the deal, who are telling me that, that just go to meetings. And, and I'm like, I'm confused, um, yeah, fifteen years, right? Never really read the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We did a few stories, you know. I might have had to read a chat, you know, a paragraph or two, but never really got into the book of Alcoholics Anonymous and read every little word and stuff like that. So this guy pulls me aside and we just start reading. You know, we read about the doctor, we read in the forward to the first and forward to the second, what, what the roots of Alcoholics Anonymous is. You know, it's not, it's the exact opposite of what sort of AA is today. What was happening back in those days, you'd go to Dr. Silk or just any rehab, and they would psychoanalyticalize you. They'd give you nutritional information. They'd give you some new life skills. You know, they'd teach you how to do laundry and, and teach you about triggers and all that stuff. And, nine, you know, nine out of the ten patients, they'd push out the door a week later. And a week later, two, other, two of those come back. You know, the other, the other people are out there doing all right, you know, because that's sort of worked with them. They're not alcoholics. They were heavy problem drinkers. They had not really crossed that line, you know. That line of, I cannot control my drinking. I cannot decide whether I'm going to take it or I cannot take it. So here I was getting treated for non-alcoholism in AA. What's that, right? That's, that's just ridiculous. So this guy's got me through the book, telling me about Alcoholics Anonymous. They had stumbled across this spiritual thing related to God that actually was able to t- help people to recover from alcoholism, recover from a hopeless state of mind and body. You know, I don't suffer from spiritual malady. I don't suffer from the mental obsession. And I certainly haven't had to trigger that allergy in a long time, seven-plus years now, and my life is amazing. So I'm sort of finally figuring out what it is to be an alcoholic. And it's also sort of embarrassing because you know, I'm supposed to be knowing this stuff because I was sober for 15 years. Or I, had, I had sobriety for 15 years. I, I wasn't picking up. <laughs> and I was miserable, wanting to die and stuff like that. So this guy's starting to get me excited into the book. And I'm going like, when do we start the steps? Because I really want to. He says, "You just, we're just reading the book here. And you're just, Okay. But I want to get into the steps. i got to write, you know, I'm looking, to, I want to make that, remember the goodbye letter to drugs and alcohol, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> when do we do that? You know, I remember doing that, and so just read the book. We're just, we'll, look, but it basically he said is, when the book tells us to do something, we're going to do something, mm-hmm. and, in, and otherwise, we're just going to read. He doesn't tell me what's really coming up. He doesn't want to give me, you know. It's sort of reason. You know, reading how it works is great and very soothing and calming for us, but it's also like finding out the punchline of a joke before you even get to it in the book, you know, or <laughs> you ever stood in line of a movie, like a really scary movie, you just wait, you know, and all of a sudden these doofuses are coming out telling <laughs> you know, about all the oh, and then when he jumps out of the window and he survives and you're like so the movie's sort of ruined and I've, I've sort of got this skewed idea of what's gonna happen. Well, that's what's happened with me and how it works. You know, I just sort of figured so I knew this recipe before I even knew what I had why I had to do it. So he's reading me through the book, you know, the forward to the first. I I actually was excited after the forwards to the first, second, third, and fourth to get together with him again, which is really sort of odd, you know, to read the Roman numerals and want to continue reading the book. That wasn't what me was doing before, you know. First of all, (laughs) reading wasn't me. Before I got him, I got this gal as a sponsor because she basically said she doesn't believe in the steps, don't call me, and, you know... (laughs) And something about, you know, meat makers, I don't know, something like that. But she told me to go home and read the doctor's opinion. And we, when we bump into each other later, we'll talk about it. So I went home and I tried to read the doctor's opinion. You know, Got into about two sentences, of almost half a paragraph, and also remember, oh, I got laundry. Boom, I'll have to do my laundry. Oh, I got to clean the room. I never finished that. More about, or the, you know, the, the doctor's opinion. But when I saw her a week or so later, and she comes up, I go, "Oh, there's you." I have to say hi to her, and she said, "So did you read the doctor's opinion?" I go, "Yes, I did. Yeah, we're sick. I need help." We lie. Untreated alcoholics in steps one to three tend to lie a lot. Maybe if you don't lie, I'm proud of you because you're not. That's cool. I lied. Everything that came out of my mouth was a lie back in those days because I didn't know any better. You know. So he gets me to the doctor's opinion. I'm actually finding out what it is to be an alcoholic. You know. I was an IOP for nine months, and all we talked about is, why aren't you going to meetings? Why don't you have a sponsor? Well, you got to show up late. And all this weird that had nothing to do with what alcoholism is. It was stand, staring in front of me the whole time, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So he's reading me through the book. I'm finding out what it is to be an alcoholic for the first time. I know why I am like this. It's, yeah, it's because I've got some emotional issues and stuff like that. But if I didn't have a phenomenon of craving, I wouldn't be an alcoholic. I'd just be a mixed-up drunk which I didn't. Which I wasn't. I was an alcoholic. I was a mixed-up alcoholic. So he's teaching me what it is to be a real alcoholic. Next thing you know, we're into Bill's story, and I just r- realize that my story parallels this guy, Bill W. I'm going to end up just like Bill W., in a mental institution, or dead. Unless somebody was to come into my life, which God put this little short guy who likes to read the book into my life, and it's like, this is sort of cool. I'm paralleling this guy, you know? <clears throat> and then he starts talking about the only thing to, to help a, to for an alcoholic to recover from this malady is a spiritual experience, and it's a vital spiritual experience. You know, we're going to talk about that, and there's a solution, and more about alcoholism. It's just not like you know, going to church and putting money in the basket and stuff like that. They had to have like, this really earth-mental changing shift in your mentality for, el- for, the, for the solution from alcoholism to work. And I started to understand that. I started to understand why it was like. And then I'm like, well, when do we start the steps? I want to start the steps. And he says, let's just read some more, you know. So I get in through the solution. I'm really cool with the God thing. I really wasn't cool with God because he screwed me over and he never gave me anything I wanted. I looked at God like a cosmic bellhop or Santa Claus and he sucked at that. So I never really liked him. That wasn't what I liked. My whole conception of what it was to be a man, what it was to be an employee, what it was to be a member of society was so screwed up, you know. <laughs> Mind you, my religious was based on a seven or eight-year-old. And then my everything that I've learned was from drug dealers and drug dealers and drunks and other drug dealers. All my friends, everything that I believed in was so screwed up. Everything was off balance, and you know, I'm still cheating and lying at work. I'm still cheating on taxes. You know, my life is just this complete, utter self-will run riot type thing. So we go into more about alcoholism, and and he's pointing out the fact that more about alcoholism is basically what happens if you don't continue with the steps. We like to call it the treatment on. It's a chapter on relapse or untreated alcoholism. Knowing that I'm alcoholic, knowing that I shouldn't drink, knowing that I'm going to end up dead, isn't going to help me stay sober. It may keep me sober for a day or two, but every day is rolling into the dice. Do I pick up yet? Do I pick up yet? Unless I have this vital spiritual experience, which is just like... So I ended up with that thing. When do we start the steps? And he says, not yet. we we've got some more reading to do, you know? So we go into we agnostics, because if this whole thing is about shifting ideas and beliefs, this whole thing is about having a new relationship with, with my God... We, I don't even have the faintest idea of what my God is, because it's just I don't have this thing. And this book just sort of takes all my everything that I believe in life, puts it out on a table, you know, and we're able to look at it coming up in the fourth step, all these ideas and beliefs I have, and be able to determine which ones to keep and which ones to get rid of. You know, my whole concept of life is just gonna be opened up, which is so good because my life to this point just totally sucked. You know, it's either death or homelessness or something. So I'm just I'm willing to do whatever this guy wants me to do. So we come out of we agnostics. I came out of we agnostics knowing, first of all, that I'm an alcoholic and there's not a dang thing I'm going to be able to do about it. That sitting down with this little weaselly guy for <laughs> hours, 20 hours up to this point, you know, he was a bigger drunk than me and he's got his life together. And all of a sudden these people and other, other alcoholics, and doctors, I've come to the conclusion that I, you know, I came to believe that a part greater than myself is going to restore me to sanity because I knew therapy didn't do it. I knew re-socialization didn't all that stuff. So I knew that God was gonna do that to me. And then we took the took me through that third step prayer thing, you know, where he basically just realized that I am a self will run riot, spoiled, self-centered, inconsiderate dude. You know, anything I wanted, I'm gonna get. And I don't care who gets in my way. Remember I wanted to kill my roommate for, for narcing narking on me. Darn. You know, he's saving my life. I wanted to kill the dude. Um, I'm I'm finally realizing that have you ever seen a salmon. You know, there's these little guys fighting the stream to go back and get laid. You know, go up and. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, boop, That's a lot of. And I was in Alaska once, and I'm seeing these guys fighting this. It's like, and on either side of this little creek, guess what's lying out and flopping? These, these attempted jumps that they miss and stuff like that. That's what my life looked like. Before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was fighting everything. I got a race. It wasn't good enough. I hate him. I hate him. You know, Everything that God gave me wasn't acceptable, and I fought, and I stole, and I manipulated to get what I wanted. And I was completely tired by the end of the day just from trying to you know, to rip off anything to make myself worthwhile, whether it's affections, friendship, uh, material goods. I was just lying, cheating, stealing the whole time, which is completely blocking me from this God thing which I guess I have to have or I'm going to really be dead. So I was, was sort of confused with that. But he said, don't worry about it. The, the rest of the chapter, the rest of the book, made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. What he told me that will is my thinking. You know, Up to this point, I everything I thought about was just me, screw everybody else. I was a lying, cheating, stealing the whole life. So in God's thinking is... Loving, caring, compassion, and kindness, you know? Ooh, that's scary. No, actually, it was sort of cool. I could deal with that because I got tired of being a thief. I got tired of being a schmuck. And I figured, you know, maybe I can start being nice because it's not that hard to be nice. But every morning I woke up and tried to be nice. Guess what? By noon, I was back to being the schmuck. So I didn't really understand how that was going to work. And then my lives, you know? I didn't want to steal, but I stole. I didn't want to lie, but I lied. You know, and I didn't want to manipulate, but I find myself manipulating. By you know, I'm not going to be that person. That I'm going to be loving, kind, considerate. And by eleven o'clock, I've lied a few times. Lunch o'clock, I've already ripped off. You know, it's like it just was. So this whole concept of turning my thinking and the way that I act out over to God seems sort of like a good idea because I sucked at it. All you had to do is look at the condition of my life. You know, it was just this is where I was. I love these the, the devilments. You know. I never, never read these enough. This is what it is to be pre-recovered. So if you're recovering, I suggest you get recovered because this is the kind of stuff that's going to end up taking us out someday. Um, we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. Anybody relate to this? We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. What is causing me to do that? What is causing me to be that way? A complete disconnect from my conception of God, living a complete self and not even knowing it. You know, I, I thought I was a really nice guy. I and mean, I just had a little, you know, some rough around the edges and stuff like that. So we're getting through this, and we go through, and he points out, That uh, before we even do the fourth step, we're getting on page 62 and 63. We start talking about, you know, these things are blocking me from God. I can be kind, considerate, patient, and generous, but if that doesn't work, then I become mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. And if that doesn't work, then comes out the pity party. Then comes out, and I'm just like this ball of mess, and why do people even want to hang out with me? Well, because I had drugs and alcohol, so people put up with me, Right. (laughs) But then they were bigger thieves than me and liars than me, so it was this whole snowball effect. He's pointing out tonight, so what do we do? Um, There's more stuff going on here. What usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. On the next occasion, we become more demanding or gracious. We just will do whatever it takes to get what we want. This is key. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, and self-pitying. So we're already finding out what this four-step's going to be made up of. You know, it's not like I went to the four-step and at the end of it said, oh my God, look at I'm a crook, I'm a thief, I'm a low life. <laughs> it's prepping me up in these pages what I'm going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked in a self-serve gas station and, I, and we did inventory, which, is never, which was stupid because everything I stole, I, I jacked up the actual account. But I learned what an inventory was. I knew it was going to be in the store. It's not like I went back to the milk department, you know, and found you know baby dolls. It's like I knew what was. <laughs> thank goodness, right? I knew what to look for. I had a feeling what to go looking for. So you know, this concept of you know doing a third step in the parking lot or in the hallway of a Starbucks, you know, to show your willingness and then giving a piece of paper and say, "Go write everything bad you did." Would be like, <laughs> why? I don't know why I'm doing this stuff. You know, the book's very, very specific on how to do a four-step. He's comparing it to the business, you know. The whole purpose of the four-step for me was to find out how I was doing things that's blocking me from God. I like to do this little exercise with the guys I'm bringing through the four-step. I talk about, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting at home and all of a sudden your favorite song comes on you and your your leg starts to wiggle a little bit, you know. And it's, This is that song, you know, these song. And, you're, and you look around, the roommate's gone, right? And you, you go and you close the drapes. The next thing you know, you're dancing around the house, you know, and so basically everybody, if no one's watching, has that one song that will make you go dance, right? Well, guess what? Everybody, if you're a breathing human being, at one point in time is going to lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, and screw people over. Whether you do it intentionally or unintentionally, that's the way, the facts of life. So if, if I had four bar stools here, each of the bar stools, one represented disco, one represented the waltz, one represented... Uh, the tango, and one hip-hop, because that was fun. Um, <laughs> each one of those different types of dances have four different versions. You know, there's like six, 67 different waltzes, and there's all types of different discos, and there's all types of hip-hop, and then there's me, which is really scary, and then there's different tangos, you know. <laughs> Just like the, the character defects we're looking for, you know. There's one for manipulating, one for lying, one for cheating, and each of us have our own special way to get what we want, you know? We can pull the victim or we can pull the hard ass. We can just beat the crap out of people or we can be sweet and wink and get what we own. We all have that one special way to get what we want. Now, like dancing, you know, I could do disco and hip hop, but if I had to, I'm going to go waltz. And it would really suck. But and I might have to do tango. But just like character defects, you know, my thing was the the looks, believe it or not, and manipulation, you know. Those were my things. But if, I, if that wasn't going to work, I'll just steal it from you, dude. It's like, you know, you're out of the way, you know. I hadn't, hadn't got to the hitting people and stealing their shit, but if I wanted something, it was mine, you know. And it was just a matter of time until I got it. So the whole thing about the four step is finding out whats what I'm doing without even doing it, which one of these character defects are my major defects, which are the ones that are going to end up taking me out, you know. 'Cause we're gonna learn in six and seven that God's gonna take them away. But there's gonna be some that He lets us play with every once in a while because he finds a use for them. Seriously, do you think Bill W. would have wrote the book if he didn't think he was become famous and rich with it? No. <laughs> he says it himself. Him and him and you know, him and his buddy, they were gonna do this and make some money and you know change the world and stuff like that. God uses little character defects to okay. get something good, you know? Not bad. God's going to use my character defects to get something good. You know, There's nothing wrong with that. It's just when you use it to hurt people. But we've got to be able to identify them so we can actually ask God to help them. with. So the book is very specific on how to do this. You write it down on paper is the first thing. You know, it talks about a business that doesn't take regular inventory. You go broke. This is my favorite line. You guys are going to relate to this one. Something about... Oh, yeah. One object is disclosed. Damage or unsalable goods. Or in our case personality defects are screwing us over the best and to get rid of them promptly without regret you know when you're looking at a four step package and you've done your fifth step and you see that lying cheating low life self you're just like yeah I gotta take them all please You know, because you don't have the opportunity to like minimize and rationalize and, and come up with a reason why I should hang on to them but it gets into this if an owner of a business is to be successful he cannot fool himself about values cannot fool himself about values guess what I was doing for years, fooling myself about I'm a really nice guy. I try my best. You know, I just I can't. I, just, like, I had to be honest and put these things down. And, it, and it's very specific. As a matter of fact, Bill's a businessman, right? This is some supposedly successful Wall Street guy. And uh, so he's talking about, you know, spreadsheets and columns and all this kinds of stuff. And... Um, First thing he does is say we have to put it down on paper we 're going to talk about resentment you know? and he 's very smart how he lays these things out you know first is resentments, then is the fears, then is the sex, and then we throw in the harms you know there 's no problem with writing down resentments because that 's my pissed off list. I hate you, and I hate this problem you know, all this stuff there 's no shame, guilt, remorse, in writing that stuff down, you know, but if I had to start out with sex i 'm like writing really small and making sure no one's looking you know? so he 's got to starting on the easy one, the one that we can just jump into and have some fun with you know um, <laughs> Now, here's the deal. I am full of shame, guilt, remorse, all this stuff that's just blocking me from God. It's just, I'm so busy in past, future, and I, I, how can I stay at one with God? You know, I've got all this stuff going on. And I like to picture that, you know, if anyone's ever been to the beach, down near the water, not in the water because it wouldn't work, but close to the water's edge, if you start digging a hole, right? What slowly fills up that hole? Water. And that's what my analogy is God. I've got all this stuff in me that's been blocking me from God. So I take my resentments and I look at them and go like, dude, I'm such a schmuck, that was my... you know. But We'll get to that in a second. As I'm processing through the resentments, guess who's filling me up more? I get more God in me. I'm processing stuff. The stuff that's blocking me from God becomes less important. So he's very specific on how to do. He spends the first page and a half, two pages, really outlining how this spreadsheet thing is supposed to work. Now, he assumes that we're all businessmen, so he can do that. Um, if you've ever looked at the big book where it talks about Mrs. Brown, what we do is we actually go and we put lines in it so it actually looks like a spreadsheet. And the guys, you know, we actually look at it and say, oh, geez, that makes sense now, you know. So the first one, you've got Mr. Brown, the cause and effects of mine, and we're getting through this, so I'm processing these resentments, you know. And, I, and, and we do it in a column format. I just have this opportunity, just everybody I'm pissed at. And then, then I get a go and get into my, my victim. And this is what they did to me. Oh, oh, oh. And then I can say what they, you know, what they actually were affecting. Because listen, if they're not threatening something that I have, want, or need, it's not an emotion, or it's, it's not a resentment. It's like you, I, I have this thing where I talk about guys, you know, I, if I walk up to some guy who's on a date and walk up to the table and say, dude, you are a pine tree. And the date and him sort of look at me and go like, You're weird. Go away. And I walk away. That's not a big deal. But the guy he just stole a bunch of drugs from and money for two hours ago, you know, so he could have money and be high for the date, shows up and starts screaming, Dude, you're a thief. You stole my money and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, this beautiful girl he's in love with is gone. He's got resentments against his drug dealer, dude, even though he's the one who got it doing. So you have to have some, some feelings towards something getting taken to have this resentment. So we're processing the resentments. And it's just not memory time. It's not like let's just go write my entire life story because that's just like, write your entire life story. How are you supposed to look at it? You know, it's like the idea is that we're going to be able to look at these things. So we write down the who, the why, and effects what, which is basic. That's cool. You know, that's as far as anyone ever got. Well, guess what? We got two more columns. Actually, it's one column cut in half. It's like, what did I do to get the ball rolling? So with the drug dealer guy in the restaurant, what did I do? Ripped him off and stole his money. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> my fault. Why did you do it? I'm frightened because dope sick sucks, right? <laughs> we don't steal because it it's fun. We do it. Same with alcoholics. We call it you know, dope sick too because we, don't, we get the shakes and stuff like that. We do what we need to do. Fear and dishonest. Oh, he's okay. He's got more money and stuff like that. So we put this thing for resentments. We're processing the resentments. We got it down and you take a break. Before I do the four step, we always instruct prayer, meditation. This is not you. This is you and God. This is that opportunity for you to start building a relationship with God. We're working on this thing, so then we go into the fears, you know. And it's like, here's the deal: I've processed so many resentments, hopefully, that I'm a little bit better connected to God. I'm I'm able to be a little bit more honest. I'm actually being able to get into the swing of this thing, so I'm actually able to write down some fears that I have. You know, big man, no fears. I got a little fear. I'm writing some little fears I got, and I'm processing these things and God's working with me I'm just writing this stuff and it's like it's basic columns and we got this check form that we use it's just, it's, we try to keep it as simple because the guys that we're taking through the steps they're sober oh, 20 22 days 15 days something like that and the last thing they need to do is write their own spreadsheets and put all these things we just got this really simple one because this is just the one to get started so we process the fears and guess what and the fear is we got a lot more God in us. We're not completely past five, six, seven God level, but we got a little bit more God because we're actually being able to connect it to God. And I'm feeling this stuff, and this is going good. And then comes the sex, you know. But we still write really small most of the time. But the sex inventory comes out, and it's and it's an honest evaluation of my sex history. You know, it's not like oh look at all the scores I did. It's like what a piece. Look who's showing up. You know, it's like would you let that person date your daughter? No, you know that type of stuff. I'm, I'm just honestly putting what happened with me. I'm working with my guys. This is just to get on there, Because what we're going to do with the sex inventory is look at that and say, what do you want to do differently going forward? You know, So we start off the who, the what. What part did we threaten? You know, Did we cause bitterness, resentment? And then you know, who else was harmed? And then this is the part that we know that the whole process is about getting God into us and more God into us. The last column is this one. I just love it. What should you have done instead? You know? And this is a guy who's gone through two, of the, three of the processes, got a little bit more God, and you're actually able to put some honesty. You're starting to have some God stuff. You know, this, this little crack of God is starting to fill us up a little bit more. You know, and then we finish the sex inventory, and then we we throw in the harms. You know, the last the last page of the book is we made a list of all the people we had hurt and stuff like that. So we take the basic format from all the other things, and we just the who, the what, the why. And how come we did it type stuff and that's gonna be very helpful for later on. So I've worked through this I've got this four step packet, you know. And we got some very specific things. You know, if you're if you're in your harms and you think of another resentment, we'll stop, you know, write it but don't finish, you know, always finish the mood you're in. come back later to finish those things. Um, the the thing that I like best about the four step packet is for the first time I was actually able to see who was like and who's standing at the door, the person I really was, which was really and the book says, "Don't don't hang around with your fifth step or your fourth step. Get right into the fifth step. You don't want to be carrying that piece of paper." Now, I I personally, and the guys I work with, we're feeling a little bit better. We see the person we were, you know, but we know that there's hope that this is going to be taken from us, and we're going to go to better things. So, yeah, it's it's very uncomfortable to have this thing floating around, but I also know that it's, that guy's dying. You know, there's a new guy coming through. God's going to take care of this. We're going to change everything. So, we're 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 not even into a fifth step, but we've already come closer to God. we got a better relationship. Everything's starting to click. And and I don't have that, you know, we don't have that, When we are doing the steps? It's like, because we're doing the steps, you know. The next thing is to like, uh, we usually give our guys seven days. You know, I've had guys who, well, my sponsor gave me six months. It's like, well, that's cool. How'd that work? Well, basically, they didn't do anything for five months and three weeks. And the last week, they just threw it together anyways. And they were just treated, you know. The longer you don't do this stuff, Roll the dice. Am I gonna get drunk today? You know, mm-hmm. the quicker we get through the steps, the quicker we clear the stuff and get a relationship with God. The quicker you can be a recovered alcoholic, and be happy, joyous, and free. Watch, you know, and have a purposeful life. The cool thing about big book sponsorship, the stuff that we have here, is like you're going to be sitting down 35 days, hopefully, and reading a book with somebody. That's when the growth kicks off. That's when you really find out what it's like. You know, if I had to sit in Alcoholics Anonymous for a year before I could work with somebody, you would have a different speaker here, tonight because I would be dead, you know. We're not people that can sit on the sidelines and just watch everybody else do the work, you know. Coffee commitment, important. It's part of your home group. That's part of being, you know, a, a good citizen in your home group. But you need to be working with guys ASAP. Otherwise, you guys are going to be in rehab number 8, 9, and 10, you know. And that sucks. Rehab sucks, doesn't it? Who wants, Who likes rehab? <laughs> from where we came from it 's a good start, right it's, yeah. <laughs> but not for not, not as a career no, definitely, not like that so um, the four step is um, I like to call it honest at last, you know the honesty is at last you know and there's by the way um, it 's perfectly cool to use code you know if you 're writing your four step and you 've done something that you don 't want anybody else to know about you know just write code and, and then one of the things that we talk about is when you 're writing your four step. Just little short, you know, um, what do you call that, short books? Reader's Digest, little, this is what I did. Don't go deep into the, the whole drama of the story. Just little things, because when you're doing your fist mm-hmm. up with your sponsor, that's going to, and then you can talk a little bit and bring it to life and stuff like that. It's a process to just find out what, which character defects you're best at and which ones we're going to be able to ask God specifically to take care of, you know. And also your sponsor is going to know what kind of guy you really are. So when six months, eight months, you know, and you start doing something that you had heard about in the fifth step, it's like, didn't we talk about that? And you're like, yes, thank you, help me. Or who are you to take my inventory? I'm your sponsor. That's my job.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it,
0: go someplace else. Uh, it's an honor to be up here tonight, you guys. Uh, Any questions, feel free. This is, by the way, if what you're doing works, you know, jumping jacks in the morning, watching the sun come up, listening to music, it's keeping you happy, joyous, and free, keep doing it, because that's working for you. But if you're living in the bedevilment, if you're starting to get a little crazy, and you're getting bored, talk to me, I'll help you. Thanks.